0: as well as those who are online with us for Zoom. Uh, the Zoom folks, we can't hear you um, and we have muted you so we don't get feedback. Um, it's not that we don't wanna hear your voices, it's more we just don't want to you know, deafen the people that are here in the CWC, but the chat is open. So if you have comments, questions, feel free to put that in the chat and uh, we will be monitoring that. And then when uh, we get to Q&A time, we will make sure that we ask the questions um, that have been shared with us over Zoom. And we're going to, during the Q&A time, so that the people online and all the people in the room can hear, we're going to make sure we ask the questions in the microphone. Um, And so that way, if we're reading questions from the Zoom, we'll read that into the microphone, just to make sure that everybody can hear um, the questions that are being asked and hopefully um, being, you know, Staying, you know, we're up informed and we're all on the same page with what's being shared and what's being asked. Um, I think that's it in terms of housekeeping for today. Um, Again, thank you all for being here. We did have a couple sheets for you to pick up um, on your way in as well as a sign in sheet. And then at the end of the presentation, we'll have some of the documents we reference. Um, We'll have those available for you to pick up if you want them. But in the interest of trying to save some paper, we didn't print out every single um, document, every single thing that we uh, will be sharing today. All right. On that note, I'd like to welcome us and gather us together in prayer. So let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, We thank you for this day. We thank you for a beautiful morning of worship. We thank you for the awesome opportunity it is to be your instruments, to be your instruments of grace and of peace and of joy in this world. So God, as we hear this information about the financial status of our church, as we hear um, recommendations and next steps, God, we pray that we will have ears to hear, minds and hearts, open to hear your spirit speaking to us, um, hearts that are brave and courageous to continue to follow where you are leading us. God, some of the information that's shared today, it's, it's hard to
1: hear, it's hard to process. To help grant clarity. God, as we
0: wrestle with um, these big challenges before us,
1: remind us that you are with us. That your spirit is here among us. That you have not
0: and you will not ever leave us or forsake us. That you will continue to be with us. That you're continuing to call us to be a community of faith here in downtown Orlando. So help us to keep our eyes focused on you and focused on where you're leading us into the future. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. And at this time, I'd like to invite Debbie Mitchell to come forward. Debbie is our director of finance and she's wonderful. And you all knew that um, even before she became the director of finance. Um, But since she has, it's every day I am grateful that Debbie is our finance director. So thank you and
2: take it away. Thank you, Emily. Uh, So good good evening, everybody. Um, So first I wanted to just share with you tonight um, a little bit about where we are financially. This is our operating budget for the church and where we ended the year at 2022. Um, for those of you that are used to seeing the financial statements, this is not a complete financial statement, though it's good information for that. But if you if a, if there are questions that arise as I'm talking tonight, if you don't see something you'd like to see, my door is always open. Please come, ask me questions, I'd be glad to show you uh, the, the full financial statements. But here is 2022. So our our budget is on the right side of the slide, and then the um, the actual where we ended up for the year. Um, so our pledged giving was very good for the year, and our non-pledged giving as well. So our our congregational giving for the year was right on target, which is which is a wonderful thing. And then our other revenue, as we went through the pledge campaign this year, you heard us talking about. The amount that we would like to see from pledges and then that we have other other uh, um, money that supports the budget. So this is some of the other things that support the budget. Our facility use and parking receipts this year were um, were very good compared to what we had budgeted. Our endowment. um, We have money that comes from our endowment fund and a pant fund that supports the budget. The Wesley Center was able to provide. a transfer this year in support of some of the expenses that we uh, cover for them. Uh, We did not have Camp Wesley as we had intended, so we we did not have that income. Uh, The miscellaneous income is some interest that we have uh, from funds in the development fund, as well as from uh, expenses from the HSN that they, they provide. This is not their rent that they pay, but money that they pay for common Area expenses. And then that last number, the operating reserve, that's the number you've been hearing about that we have funds um, that we've been able to preserve as operating reserves. Um, we had thought that we would use 300 and roughly 30,000 of those in 2022. Um, we only needed to use 240,000 of those operating reserves. So it was very good. Um, Revenue-wise, and we did not—we were able to preserve those um, operating reserves. <clears throat> the next slide is the expenses; shows you um, where the money was spent. So, administration—we we did have some additional uh, expenses there, higher than expected. I can talk to you about those in detail if you want to come ask me questions. Um, but basically, we held our expenses in total. Um, We had some staff positions that were not filled in the year so that our staff salaries were lower. So we ended the year with $2,300 in surplus, which is really, really incredible for for 2022. So so a very good end to that year and also with the ability to preserve some of those um, surplus funds. So our debt retirement summary, if you remember... Um, we are in the at the end of a three year uh, campaign for the uh, debt retirement. In January of 2020, our balance was 1.9 million for that mortgage. We've been able to pay down about 445 thousand dollars directly toward principal because of your generous um, giving. Our cash balance for that at the end of December is 72 thousand dollars. The mortgage balance still remains at 1.2. The total that was pledged to that three-year campaign was $983,000, and we have a balance remaining to receive, hopefully sometime by the uh, end of this year, of 272. That mortgage payment is monthly, $12,826. We're staying right on the margin of a six-month reserve of paying that mortgage payment, it's annually $153,000. And next I just want to show you what we're projecting for 2023. So this this slide shows you um, the actual for 2022 and the budget for 2022 and then that far right column is our budget for 2023. So you'll see that our pledge giving um, for 2023 is 961. Thank you very much to everyone who pledged. Um, our non-pledged giving and other giving, uh, congregationally, we're projecting at 200. And then um, our other revenue for the for the year um, 150 for the facility and parking receipts. Our endowments are a little bit down because last year was not uh, a good year for the stock market. So so that transfer will be a little bit less this year. Wesley did end the year with a surplus and is able to, again, help with some of those expenses for $25,000. The... the pass-through amount for HSN will be big, uh, much larger this year for the common area maintenance. Um, that's due to the actual expense of the building, and we refigured that amount. So that will be what's um, coming from them this year, in addition to some other miscellaneous revenues. Church council uh, approved the transfer of the undesignated memorials um, to the church budget for $37,000. And then our operating reserves that we'll be using to support this budget. We had hoped to only use 200 um, operating reserves in 2023, but we were um, surprised, not surprised. We received a bill from the conference for our ministry protection insurance for 2023, and it's a 25% increase, and that's a a big thing. Uh, But but there are a lot of reasons for that, and... um, why that has to be more so um so we're covering that from reserves unless we find some other um, opportunities there and then so budget wise um, this is this is the budget um, for 2023 Um, you'll see that that church property number is um, greater uh, because of the um, ministry protection um and then so our budget for 2023 is 1.8 million and i think oh i had one other thing i was going to just tell you very quickly about the operating reserves but i lost my little s- slip of paper so i won't share that <laughs> it's over there thanks becky <laughs> I just was going to tell you that the operating reserve balance at the end of December 2022 was $381,000, so we'll be using the 264 in the budget for 2023, leading us a balance of our operating reserve at $116,673. So, I'm not sure who's up next. <laughs>
3: Good evening. Uh, you should know there's about 35 folks uh, on Zoom that are joining us also. So great attendance. Thank you for, for being here tonight and all of them for joining us. So um, I'm gonna what I'm going to share is a little bit of giving some color commentary to some of what Debbie just shared with you. Uh, she shared some great news. We had a great stewardship campaign. We ended the year positively. Uh, So a lot of good news, but I want to flesh out some of it because I want, sometimes, you know, we just start talking numbers and I can watch our eyes glaze over, right? And so I want to make sure you get some points. So uh, how many of you were here for the town hall meeting last July? A good number. Okay. So Debbie made uh, several references to the 330,000 number. That was a number that we put out in front of everybody last year because we started the year knowing that the only way we were going to make budget is if we drew 330,000 out of reserves. That's not an insignificant amount of money, right? We're all on touch with that. So the alternative would have been to have cut our budget by $330,000. I mean, that's where we were last January, right? Imagine what we would have to cut to get to 330000 That's That's a third of our staff or some combination of staff and program. That would have been a devastating blow, a devastating blow. Now, uh, where did that reserve money come from? Uh, We don't have operating reserves, except because of COVID, we received uh, three different grants through the federal government. Which totaled, if you see it up there, totaled $1,046,908. Over a million dollars in federal aid we've received during COVID, right? I mean, that's a a remarkable amount. And we owe uh, Mike Barnhill and Debbie a a debt of enormous gratitude for helping, because that was not an easy process. Now, I want to state this as clearly as I possibly can. Every dollar of those grants from the federal government was spent that was designated for some very particular purposes. It was used for those purposes. But because of the generosity of our congregation and because of our ability to keep expenses low during the worst of the pandemic, we were able to use the federal money to pay our bills, some of them, and and then save money that we weren't spending that would have normally come out of our regular income received from pledges. Is that clear what I just said? Okay, I'm seeing nods. Good. I'm glad you think so. Um, of that million dollars plus, um, about 333000 went to the preschool. You'll remember that from March of 20 through uh, July of 20, the preschool was closed, but we continued to pay teachers. So that was an appropriate use of those funds, which left roughly about $700,000 in reserves. That is the fund. Those are the funds that we drew from to be able to make budget this year. Okay, that's where that money came from. Okay, so let's go back. There were three actually big numbers that I presented in July. These are big, rough numbers, just trying to get our head wrapped around them. One was 330,000 from reserves. The second was trustees had done some work on some big projects we know we are gonna have, some of it on the Asbury-Ledbetter property, that there was a need for a roof over there, ACs. Uh, We know the sanctuary roof is getting older here. This roof is nearing its life's end of its lifespan. So we know, you know, just from work that the trustees were doing, that in the ballpark of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars of repairs are on the horizon in the next couple of years. That's what we shared last July. Evenly split, about half of that's on this side of the street, about half is on that side of the street, and then the The million dollar debt. I mean, those are just big round numbers. but let me let me kind of like narrow kind of narrow down on those. I give you a little more detail. We go to the next slide. So as Debbie shared, we didn't spend three hundred and thirty thousand out of reserves. That was great. We spent about two hundred and forty thousand out of reserves to fund this year's budget. Still a significant amount of money that think, that came from the federal government. just just keep clear where that money came from. But thankfully, we didn't have to spend all. Why? Because we increased our facility use income, because we kept expenses down, because we weren't fully staffed, because we had way more parking revenue than we anticipated. That's why that gap is there. Um, This year, if you were doing the math, as as Debbie showed, this year's budget, we're projected to to draw another 265,000 out of reserves this year to fund this year's budget. Everybody understands you can only do that so long, right? There's nothing regenerating our reserves. That that's that's raiding the piggy bank, and when the money's gone, the money's gone. Okay, so so 240 last year. This year we're we're budgeted 265, um, and we have not tackled any of that 750 thousand of repairs. But since then, in addition, we've incurred additional repair and mitigation expenses because of the hurricanes we had in October. Uh, Hurricane Ian, uh, just that incident, the, the deductible just on that incident before we get to the repairs was a quarter of a million dollars. That's our deductible for our insurance. And by the way, that's, it's 5% of the value of the, of the property. That's just the sanctuary. And it's done by storm, per storm. So, we're hoping that since the worst of it was in Hurricane Ian, not the second storm, but we did have water intrusion in both, that it's 250,000, not 500,000. But we're working on that, right? But this is a new expense in addition to what we had put up the 750,000. And the actual indebtedness is 1,269,578, not a million, closer to 1.3. And by the way, when we talk about that, that does not include interest. And that's on a debt that goes until uh, 2035 is when that debt wraps, unless we were to pay it down faster, 2035. So I want to give you new numbers this year, right? Just simple numbers to kind of wrap your head around. So just based on what I've shared with you, I want you to know three numbers, 64, 36, and 16. go to the next one. There you go. 64%, 64% is the amount that the congregation supports our budget. From pledges and non-pledge giving and money that gets thrown on the plate that we don't know who it came from, sixty-four percent. Normally, and this I don't say this critically, I don't say to beat this up, I don't say this to be negative about us, but it would be normal for a congregation to support its operating budget closer into the high nineties. It's very unusual for a congregation only to support two-thirds of our budget, sixty-four percent let that sink in. The 36%, the 36 number is the other. That's coming from our endowment. That's coming from facility use. That's coming from HSN. That's coming from reserves from the, that we have because of a federal grant, right? That's where that money's coming from. We already said we're very fortunate to have the endowment. Some years it pays better than this year, but we're fortunate. We're fortunate to have HSN in the building and the rent that we're getting from that. We're fortunate to be a place that people want to come and have concerts and and meetings and so forth. We're very fortunate. But that one number, the 16, that's the amount. 16% is how much we're funding our budget from reserves. That money will run out. 16% of our budget. That's a big chunk. That's what we gotta get real serious about. Okay. Um, also, uh, we shared this, and this is just a very abbreviated form. Uh, we could blame this on COVID. Like, oh gosh, COVID has really dug us in a hole, hasn't it? Or we could blame it on the divide that's happening in the United Methodist Church. That has affected us. We've lost some folks over that. Both of those surely have been an impact. But when we did the statistic, I mean, we went back and researched this all the way back to 2010, and only because that was the easiest place to stop. We could have gone back further, obviously. The trend started a long time ago. COVID, the divide, the domination, certainly have accelerated some issues, but we've been having a dropping attendance at least since 2010 and probably go back further. In fact, I know in the 1980s, there was conversation about the the dropping attendance. Now, the interesting thing, and we're not gonna get into all the details of this tonight, you saw this in July if you were here, all through that time, the budget has held more or less steady, and actually has has decreased. Now, if you actually look at the numbers like, well, has it really decreased? Well, when you start factoring in cost of living, what was a dollar worth in 2010 compared to what it's worth today? We have a much smaller budget than we've ever had before. Look at the number of folks we have on staff compared to former years. Look at the number of programs we're doing. Look at the number of vehicles we have parked outside. I mean all these things. We are operating at a much lower budget even at 1.8 million. That's a big budget, but this is a big space <laughs> and it requires quite a quite a bit of money. So here's the reality, we've held expenses through the years more or less even but our support for those in terms of people, in terms of attendance, in terms of pledges, in terms of Mount Gibbon has continued to decline. Didn't start with COVID, folks. Didn't start with the conflict in the United Methodist Church. This has been going on for a while. So big picture. Uh, these are, so I'm going to repeat some numbers, but big picture. We have a debt that will continue with us until 2035 of 1269000 unless we pay it off sooner. We have enough money pledged, if everybody pay, pays it, to help us get through most of this year paying our mortgage, but we are looking at another capital campaign for the mortgage within the calendar year 2023. Uh, there's some fatigue around that. You know that, right? Folks are beginning to not remember why we have the debt and what it's for, but that's a whole different conversation. Uh, we have the Hurricane Ian remediation or repair, which is going to be costly to us. We have 265,000 uh, from reserves to fund the 2023 budget, that's a significant number, and I would just say it again. If we didn't have that, how would we, how, where would we find that to cut in our budget? What would we lose if we had to cut that from our budget? I think that's what we have to keep asking. The congregation supports 64% of our budget. Um, most churches I know that have endowments and memorial gifts use that sort of as extra. We get to do new things. We get to do mission. We get to do something special. We don't pay our bills with it. We, we're having to pay our bills. We're fortunate that we can, but we have to pay our bills. Uh, we have no significant operating reserves apart from these federal grants, and it's normal. Both of my last churches had six months of operating reserves in the bank, Right. mean, what do you do at home in case in case you run into some trouble, right? Uh, We have no operating reserves and wouldn't if not for these COVID grants. Uh, If we had six months of operating reserves, it would be about $908,000, nearly a $1 million that we would have saved for a rainy day. And we have no significant maintenance reserves for major repairs. In fact, they're pretty depleted right now because of the deductible, right? So major, major issues. Now, that's all good news, right? That all sounds great. You feel good, like we just say a prayer, go home, right? No, it, it's, it's a big deal, guys. It's a big deal. I don't know how we would have cut three hundred thousand from the budget. I don't know how we would have cut two hundred sixty thousand from the budget. I don't know how we'll cut it in the future if we can't figure out how to close the gap. It's a big deal. It would be devastating to have to cut at that level. But I want to say some things about um, hope signs of hope. Uh, We had 16 members join a couple weeks ago. Uh, Worship attendance steadily rises. In fact, I saw some folks in worship today that I haven't seen for a while. Uh, So worship attendance is increasing. New members are joining. Uh, We had the highest number of children last Sunday, right? 34 kids in, in, uh, in, in children's church. That's the highest number we've had in a long time. In a long time. Youth group is meeting upstairs. Those numbers are growing. So there's a lot. Mission, the serve team. I mean, the thing, the number of projects we're doing, the choir has grown. I mean, on and on. There's a lot of positive things. But here's the reality, folks. We can't grow fast enough to, to ignore our problems. If we don't, if we don't address the issues, we're going to self-sabotage right? And so, don't hear doom and gloom in these numbers. Hear hope about what this future, the future of this church can be, but it's only if we get serious about some of our issues and address them. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, why don't we pause just for a second, um, just see if you have any questions about the numbers. Can you look online, see if anybody in the chat has any questions? Um, by the way, if you're going to ask a question for the sake of the folks on Zoom, we need to make sure you ask it into a microphone. We can bring it to you, but any any lack of clarity about anything that's been shared so far? Any questions? We can certainly do this again at the end. Yeah, Warren? Here, let me. You still
4: have to. In debt, correct? We, that's correct. All right. If the government had not given us this COVID money last year, would we be $1 million more in debt?
3: Well, it would have been how we... Choose to solve that deficit. That's the issue. Uh, the debt is specifically old debt that ties goes back to FIS and so forth. Uh, but how you know the question would have been how we would have funded ministry the okay. three hundred thirty thousand last year. Okay. Yeah.
1: Just on a very general level, can you quantify the flow that goes from HSN rent to, I believe, maintenance? And it's not a big relief, but it helps, I think. That's right.
3: So um, so the the money that we get from HS, the Homeless Services Network, for the most part, is not reflected in the operating budget. There is a pass-through that's basically there sharing in things like utilities and so forth, which is a chunk of money. Um, but it's That's, that's their part of handling sort of the operational day to day expenses, their rent gets set aside and is being used by the trustees for major projects. And so there is money going there, but that's not under at this point isn't coming into the isn't reflected in the operating budget. Am I saying that right, Debbie and Jill?
2: That's correct. And and just um, for round numbers in 2023, it's about 8000 per month. A little over that.
3: Yeah, yeah. 8,000 rent a month in addition to this pass-through money that we get. Did,
2: did you want to just clarify on that? I just want to clarify one thing.
5: thing. The rent money isn't for projects. It goes for maintenance of the buildings.
3: Right, right, so. right. Yeah, it's not be. yeah, we haven't accumulated enough for a roof or something. It's It's the ongoing expenses of taking care of these buildings,
6: right, which we don't budget much for. There are two things that um, sound like they don't go together. We spent all of the federal relief money. Not all of it. We still
3: uh, have, we still, well, we spend all of it and we, yes. Okay. Sorry.
6: Yes. Correct. But our reserves are there because we got federal reserve uh, relief money. Yeah. And didn't have to spend down our reserves would that be right
3: no we didn't have any reserves um so so when when we got the federal money it meant that instead of the congregation paying my salary uncle sam paid my salary but you got to save that money and now it's in our reserves Does that make sense you look not are we saying the same thing
6: i don't think so or, no. i'm not understanding yeah. if uh all federal reserve money was spent on the purposes that was supposed to be spent for. Absolutely. So since we didn't have to pay some expenses, we were able to put our money in reserves. That's right. Yes. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yes.
3: I know that's semantics, but it's important because that money we had to use that money appropriately. Um, But we were fortunate that we were able to, Okay. I think we're going to, let's pause questions. And so, so um, I I forgot to mention this. So as you came in, one of the things we did last year before the town hall meeting was we put together an income task force to come up with some solutions for how we might again, deal with that 330,000 number. There was a handout that maybe you got uh, 16 recommendations that were taken to church council uh, they were approved, and uh, and you should know that all of these have been worked on, every one. Now, that doesn't mean they're all working for us. Some of them are better than others. Some are more profitable than others. Some we've already figured out aren't really going to work for us, uh, but we've worked on all of them. But on the list uh, was uh, the establishment of a task force to study the Asbury-Ledbetter property and best use of that for us and if there was any solution there related to our financial concerns. Um, I should also tell you that when I arrived in July of 2019, it was the number one topic in every meeting I went to. When are we starting a committee to study that? The number one thing that people came to talk to me about, and almost on a weekly basis, was, let me tell you what I think we should do with that property. And I said to everyone, okay, and and if you were in those meetings, not yet. Not in my first six months. Like, not yet. Um, we're, we're not going there yet. Um, and then what happened? COVID, right? We were actually moving forward to starting a committee and COVID hit and then it just changed our priorities. But when we had the meeting last summer, We presented this and somebody raised their hand and said, hey, what about that committee? When are we doing that? So we did it. Um, We asked Debbie Manuel to chair it and she has done so. Uh, It's a very uh, fantastic group of folks and uh, Debbie's going to come share the work of that committee.
7: Yes, Vance and Emily asked me to chair the committee. I'm your lay leader of the church for first of three-year terms now, a member of the Wesley um, Early Learning and Family Center Advisory Board. And we'll go to the second slide, and we'll show you the wonderful group that served on this committee. If you're here, would you stand And if you're on Zoom, thank you for supporting us there. And these good folks, as you can see from the names, were chosen most likely and absolutely because they're leaders. They have special expertise. They have a love for our church. They've raised their children here. And they have a range of length of membership from somebody like me over 50 years to those whose children just graduated from the Wesley Center. We met three times. We thought it would take us longer. Those meetings were on Sunday evenings, starting at five, and some of them were very long. On September 25th, October 2nd and October 9th, we did our work. And it culminated in a six page report which Debbie Chandler a member of the committee so beautifully wrote and I've got copies at the end of the evening if you'd like one and if we run out I'll be glad to send one on email. When Vance and I started asking people to serve not one person turned us down. They took this very seriously and with great care and devotion knowing how important this mission would be. And this is our purpose and mission. Next slide. It was to explore the Asbury Ledbetter property at 42 East Jackson Street to determine its future in terms of repairing or repurposing or selling. Note that the mission was to determine the future of that property there was no foregone conclusion though we know other types of conclusions had been made over the past few years on the next one we were given some questions to address what were our parameters for considering the future of this property for instance what is wanted for our church what's the best use or value for a ministry for our church of that property How would we manage the expectations for the property? If someone came in and gave us an offer, what could be our role in how that property was used? And we wanted full use for that entire space. Didn't want to sell off just a part of it. The commercial use plus any goal and partnership that we might have. And then what were our must haves? Well, we had to match the needs of our budget what was there, what was needed, what would be our ministry for the future? And what other questions would we need to have answers to? We came up with 56 more. So if you want to know all of them, I have that report, but I'll be talking about a few of them. And you can see in the last bullet what one of the most important questions was. What's the future of our Wesley Learning Center and Family Center? and who needs to be involved in those decisions related to the preschool. Now you can imagine what a tough time it was for all of us, very emotional as you are probably feeling too as we start talking about this. We have a lot of love and respect for what that ministry, the Wesley Learning Center has meant to our families and the community, our teachers and Kimberly Gibson, the director, Means so much to us, and they are the best. Going through all of those meetings and those considerations, we have a recommendation. We are not a committee that has authority, as you can imagine. Our recommendation is that the is to explore the sale of the Asbury Ledbetter property. A major focus of why this recommendation is what we brought forward had to be discussed by all of us. It's the goal of ensuring the future of our church as a viable presence in our community. It was even described as an existential threat to our ministry and mission if we don't look at this recommendation. Now, We asked for some specific information after our first meeting to be brought to us and one was that we needed to know what the value of the downtown market demands would might be. And what was that financial reality Joe Nesbitt a member of the committee and you know his background, he said he'd take that on. We needed to know building code requirements for the preschool in case there was an option to move it and Ann Briggs who's little boy just graduated from the Wesley Learning Center and who's an architect, she studied that for us and brought it. And of course, we needed the most updated economic status of the church, which you've just been given, we were given. Now, we had four considerations. One was um, the internal process to explore the future of the property. And some examples, we had maybe 14 of those 56 questions um, put up by the committee. One was, is there a viable alternative to the sale of the property, such as demolishing the buildings and constructing and renting out, say, a larger parking lot or parking garage, which some of you have heard over the years. Another one was, how do we deal with the uncertainty of the timeline? once the word would get out that we were going to explore the sale, then we knew that there'd be an uncertainty for places like the Wesley Learning Center. And then we needed to look at all the needs of our church membership now. And one of those, of course, would be, where would we park if we gave up those spaces across the street? The next slide is the external process that we used some samples we had seven of those here's three of them we would recommend contracting with a commercial licensed professional broker and of course ask for three bids prior to deciding on that broker and we would identify various options for use usage to help determine potential buyers and you can see them um, perhaps talk to the city planning staff about um, current authorized entitlement and uses of downtown property And then we even said should we have a minimum acceptable price established the third one you're a part of right now and that's how to communicate exploring the sale and we had 22 of those that was the most important area as you can imagine here's five samples of that it should be open and transparent and so we want you to have confidence in all the work that's been done to bring this recommendation to you. It's been to all the major committees, finishing up with church council just last at the beginning of this week, board of trustees, finance, uh, SPRC, starting with the executive committee of leadership of your church. And in each case, we, we receive support for the recommendation. And here is why you're here. Do we need a town hall meeting? And we said, yes, we do. And depending on how we get our um, feedback from this, we'll determine if we should go further and have in-home meetings or chances for you to discuss it even further with committee members and with your pastors and Debbie Mitchell. And it's critical to know also that Debbie Mitchell was on this committee because we needed her valuable input. We said that um, you need. we needed to communicate that even if there is a sale of the property, that's not a panacea to what we're facing in the existence of our church. We need to acknowledge the grief people will feel, and we need to acknowledge the tradition that we have with the Wesley Learning Center and with the use of those buildings and how that is impacted by a changing society. Then we had a whole section, of course, on the Wesley Early Learning and Family Center, and we had 13 considerations. Three are are listed here. And it came down to looking at the code requirements and the space available. It would be cost prohibitive to relocate the Wesley Center to another location. We do not have the resources for such a thing to happen. And so we talked about if we don't have the preschool, should we develop other options for involving children and families in our church? And those are are happening. We had uh, one mother on the Wesley board who said, oh, there's young families coming in all the time. And then another one, what's the financial impact as children and our teachers leave prior to the potential exploration or sale? And you'll be hearing from Julie Mitchell, the director of the board tonight about that. So in summary, again, the property task force is recommending that First Church explore the sale of the Asbury Ledbetty property. The task force felt that obtaining bids, as I've said, from at least three area brokers prior to commitment is important. And it is understood that this is simply an exploration. And no final determination will be entertained until further information is obtained, including options for the sale, income from the sale, what do we do with it, how can it be used, cannot be put straight into the operating budget. And, of course, review the book of discipline to help us know those ramifications. And then, of course, how will this impact our Wesley Learning and Family Center? So the consensus was that it would incur additional funds to relocate the Wesley Center to the main property due to the code requirements for outdoor facilities, the amount of space needed per child, et cetera. And then we also have our existing relationship in space with the Homeless Services Network that would continue. So at the end of October 9th, Our minutes showed what Vance also reminded us of and he's already said to you, but I'd like to say it again. This is a serious position for our budget at this point. Other factors weighing on our future were presented the lack of attendance low involvement in missions need for major repairs to our buildings fewer pledging units over the last 10 years loss of staff and programming due to potential budget cuts and the real danger of losing our place in the community this action if approved and that's not what we're asking of you tonight this is information tonight will be a major help to our budget though selling the property is not the only solution it could help to focus us on what we want to be as a church going forward And there's great hope for us yet. There's so many things that we are needed to help accomplish in this community. And it it could be a chance to look at ourselves afresh and anew. It's our turn to determine the future of this wonderful church. Think of all that it's meant to you and what we want it to mean to the future of the people outside the church and how can we make that happen. So uh, that's the end of my report. And would you like to entertain some questions at this point about the process?
4: Okay. In my past history of exploring real estate and the like, whatever you sell it for, hey, this is great. 12 years down the road, you say, what happened to all that money? Oh, it went for this and this, and we didn't even think about this. So eventually, all that money just kind of disappears, and we have nothing to show for it. Now, my alternative scenario would be, instead of a summary of selling the building, why can't we get some architects to look into this, making small offices or whatever it might take, We'll have a continuing income for as long as we're here. How much thought has been given to that idea?
7: That particular idea did not come up, but the idea of other options for that property, of course, was discussed. And the amount of money that it would take to do that is what I would ask you. Do you know how much that would cost and where would we get that money?
4: That's why this needs to be explored fully, doesn't it?
7: Our budget says the money does not exist.
4: The budget says what?
7: Our budget right now says the money does not exist to do that option without
4: Okay, so any we other have to option. do some original financing here, wouldn't we?
7: I'm sorry.
4: We'd have to do some original financing. It would have to be explored in detail, and say hey we we do have an option here. Here's something we didn't think about before. I'm not an architect, I'm not a contractor, but I think there's another avenue that we should pursue other than selling the property. All right, thank That's you. That's
7: my thoughts. Thank you, Warren.
3: Let Let me just add a comment. I, I think, I mean, I think Warren's comment about, you know, the money disappears is an important one. Uh, the Book of Discipline, the United Methodist Church has very strict guidelines of how money can be used that that is obtained through the sale of property. You can't. You can't pay. You can't operate the budget based on it. You can't pay salaries. Uh, money gained from sale of property can only be used for future capital expenses. And so there, we would be required to protect uh, whatever that money would come. It could be used for the debt, um, but and then and then we'd have to restrict the way we use it uh, beyond that. So, um, I saw somebody had a hand, didn't I?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, Brock.
8: Uh, thanks, Vance, and and uh and thank you, Debbie, and every, and everybody who worked on your committee. Uh looks like you put a lot into this. And just from the presentation that Vance just gave, the I think if you lay you laid it all out very nicely and to look at having a debt of one and a quarter million dollars that is serviced by, if I heard Debbie right, it was $12,000 a month. Well, we're for $330,000 short. Normal churches raise 90 plus percent through their their giving during the year. And we're only coming up with 65, 64%. If we just diverted another $250,000, we'd be very close to 90%. Um, and we're not. Instead, we have the luxury of maintaining debt. It may not be a mortgage directly on the building, but it's effectively that. Um, and so that's the cost of, in my view, I don't, I, I don't care if it's associated directly. It is a fact that if we sell the building, the debt goes away, and the we will be that church that is giving ninety percent or eighty-five percent at least based on our own numbers, if we can just not be paying $240,000 a year, um, I think it makes, it. We, we'll all feel a lot better because I, I feel very negative when I think about debt associated with you know, giving, giving money and, and it going to debt. It doesn't make me happy. It makes me happy to think of giving money and it going to enriching this institution and the missions that it, that it accomplishes. And so this whole effort I think is worthwhile and could be a real boost to our to our church.
3: Thank you. Did you want to
7: just 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 talk about another capital campaign? I'm just sitting here thinking, if what Jim and I contribute in the capital campaign went to pledging to the church, that would be a better use of our money, I think, for the church. That's just my opinion.
3: And just for clarity for everyone, the 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 capital debt is not part of our operating budget. It's above and beyond. So all the numbers you saw in our operating budget, notice that it didn't include HSN that supports a lot of our maintenance. We're not paying for that. So the percentage would be way different if we had thrown HSN, that factor in. But it also the 12,000 we pay a month is not part of our operating budget. It's an addition to. So now the hope would be if we pay off that debt, that maybe some of the money going to our debt re- that retirement might find its way into our operating budget. We won't know until we get there, but that would be the hope, Jim.
6: A little history, uh, about 12 years ago, I was, uh, for several years, as are some other people in the room on the board of trustees. And as, uh, president of the board at that time, we did look at the Asbury led better property. And we invite anybody to do a survey again, an estimate, but we were uh, of the definite opinion that it could not be restored to the then present code for any amount of money that would make any sense at all. So put 12 years on top of that, stricter codes. And more expensive construction costs, uh, I feel very confident that that building cannot reasonably be repurposed.
3: Yeah, and we have a little bit of work to do just to make sure that we play by the rules exactly. But uh, so let's just pick. uh, No, let's not. Let's not. Just imagine whatever you think we're going to sell that property for. We're not going to put a number out there. Um, We can pay off the debt with it. And then with the remainder, it would still need to be restricted for use for for future facility needs. and so we would have to come up with some way of protecting that money and deciding that we're only going to use it in this way. We're only going to use income like we do for our endowment or something like that, but we would have to do it according to the book of discipline to do it. Possibly. And I, and I please know that we're, I mean, we still need to make sure that we, you know, dot our eyes and cross our T's to it's gotta be by the book of discipline, but that's the intent that, I'm sorry, just that uh, could it be used for like a future roof and that sort of thing. So we, we need to make sure of that, but it's restricted in that way. Yeah. My hope, I'm just gonna say Vance's hope. my, My hope was we pay off the debt, we endow the rest and that that becomes an ongoing perpetual source of revenue to take care of these facilities. That would be my hope. That would be my hope. Kim. That Yes, I'm sorry. Thank you. Kim said the word if that I use that 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 would that that was the intention of the committee. You would agree? Yeah, that would be the intention of the committee. Yeah. That's right. So Skip makes the point that the debt that debt is located on that property. It's not because the debt is for that property or for the preschool. That's an interesting myth that I hear around here. Um, it was when all of this happened that with the bank, we made that the collateral, not because that's our debt. It's, that's not hanging, that's not our issue, right? That the debt is our issue. Yes.
2: So I'm thinking about the uh, statement in terms of an exploration and the possibilities for the property that might. Uh, ensure the future for the church. And I really liked the statement where it was looking at the church needs and what we might be able to get so that it's not like a sale of the entire property, but something that we could additionally use maybe on Sundays.
7: Yes, that definitely was talked about in our committee. And I see my committee nodding. Yes. Yes. That's why explore means more than just explore the sale, but what are the creative uses for that space with us as partners maybe? Well,
1: hopefully I can stay next to my wife. She poked me when I get too technical, but I did notice that the 64 and the 36 added to 100 and then there was another 16. So where you can clarify, is that 16% out of the 64?
3: it's 16% out of the 36, no, 16% out of the 100. So 64, 36, that's our budget. The 16% is the amount that we're paying with the with, uh, reserves. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a math were, formula, it's a- just numbers. To- <laughs>
7: <laughs> Beth, I think I saw your hand at one point. Okay years ago when we were thinking about selling that property and did different thoughts about it. One was um, including a childcare facility in the first floor. And I don't know that's allowed by code now or anymore. But um, there is a need for childcare in the downtown area. So I just throw that out. That was part of discussions. Yes.
3: So I'm going to just this is Vance. This is just Vance. Right. Okay. So pick your number again, right, that we think we can sell it for. And then imagine what it would cost to build a floor of childcare, subtract that from what you think we can sell the property for. Right. So if we can sell it for $100, and it takes $50 to build that now we've got $50, right? I mean, that's anything is possible. But just we need that's what we're going to be wrestling with as a group of of balancing wishes and, and realities.
1: I know that you talked about the prop possibility of selling it, but was there any kind of commercial leasing of, of maintaining ownership of the property, but leasing it, um, it would have to be, I would assume to a nonprofit or something so that we don't end up with a tax liability for that. But just curious what the committee thought of that
7: when you see the final report if you'd like it you'll see all those points in there those are all considerations yes anybody on the chat
3: We can take it up at the end too. Okay, so I think the next is Julie.
9: Good evening. As Vance said, I am Julie Mitchell and I'm the chair of the Wesley Early Early Learning and uh, Family Center Advisory Board. And I would like to ask any of my co-members of the board who are in the room to please stand up. I know there's a handful of us present and I thank them for being here with us tonight. On January 11th, the board met for a monthly meeting, the first of this of this year, Um, Vance and Emily were in attendance and one of our agenda items was exactly what Debbie Manuel just presented to us, an update on the asbury Ledbetter building. We received from Vance and Emily an abridged version of what Debbie presented tonight and we had two and a half hours to digest the information, discern it and come up with some recommendations. So given the Asbury Ledbetter Building Task Force's recommendation to, to explore the sale of the property, we assumed the ultimate closing of the school due to the church's financial situation. Most importantly, during that meeting, we placed ourselves in the shoes of the current Wesley families and staff members. So we agreed that we needed to be earnest and transparent with our Wesley families and staff and in terms of developing a timeline. To help the children and families make transitions to other schools. I wanted to read you from the minutes of the meeting that Ann Briggs prepared so that I'm just very articulate and accurate in my communications. So as a council in that meeting, we discussed the ramifications of the findings and recommendations of the Asbury Ledbetter Committee, as you all have heard tonight. Options to move the Wesley Center to a different location were discussed with no viable options determined. Hail Mary options for keeping the Wesley Center open were discussed additionally with no viable options determined. The closure of the Wesley Center was discussed as the only possible outcome of the sale of the Asbury Ledbetter property. And so three motions came out of our meeting. The first one was to move to close the Wesley Center program on August 4th, 2023, to correspond with the new programmatic school year. Within a few days, a small subcommittee that consisted of me and Emily April Michael, who is also on the committee with me, and Kimberly Gibson, who you know is the executive director, met because we found out that there is an expiration date from the Department of Children and Families, our operational license for the Wesley School. So we motion, we mended the motion for the sale for the close of the school to take place on June 2nd. The motion passed unanimously. Motion two, in consideration of current Wesley staff members was to move to grant authority to Kimberly Gibson to evaluate a a stabilization grant fund that is in place to prepare an equitable bonus structure for teachers to promote continuity of care through the close of the program. So we came up with a structure, actually Kimberly did with much work, a formula to help uh, with a stipend. And then motion three is coming down the road. is to create a subcommittee to celebrate the legacy of the program in a significant manner, honoring the continued commitment of the, sorry, of the executive director, staff, and all prior prior leaders. Um, This past Wednesday, Wednesday, sorry, Kimberly Gibson held a staff meeting with her Wesley teachers to share the closing of the school with them. And almost simultaneously, an email was sent to current Wesley families, and that email letter was authored primarily by, by Emily, and it was pro- is probably the most beautifully written letter I've ever written, given the circumstances she asked for me and for April Michael and Kimberly Gibson to weigh in, but Emily gets the credit for the majority of that letter for sure. So Wednesday evening, staff found out from the Wesley Center, as well as current families. For those that did not open their email or receive it that night, that would be families on Thursday, April Michael, and I and Emily, of course, Kimberly Gibson, were front and center at the center, while families received a tangible letter. Just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. May I ask if, do you want me to open up the questions now? I think that's it. I'm sorry if I got emotional. I might have talked. But may I ask if there are any questions?
1: Charlie, I've watched you go there. You recovered. Hopefully, I can, too. So... It feels like the, the closing of the center might be getting a little ahead of things and that we're just talking about studying the sale of the Asbury-Ledbreder property. Can you help us understand why the, the urgency to communicate with those families?
9: We truly felt, this is something that we talked about quite a bit. Help me, all of those of you who you were in the meeting because of, and I think Debbie used the words, existential threat that was presented, we feel that our response absolutely matches the level of that. And again, in placing ourselves in the shoes of the families, the current families, we felt like we owed it to them to be very open and transparent with communication that included a timeline that was um, generous in spirit to them so that they could make alternate decisions. and we assumed, given the exploration, the use of that word exploring the sale of the building that that ultimately, as I said, would mean and lead to the closing of the school. Um, Thanks, Mason. Um,
0: So this is Emily uh, speaking. Um, So as I look around the room and I'm not sure who all is on Zoom, um, I think I'm the only person with a tiny human at the Wesley Center. <laughs> um, so this is an interesting, uh, predicament, um, in that, you know, this is, um, deeply personal for me and for my family. Um, and some of you may not remember this, um, if it's been a minute since your children went through any sort of preschool program or whatever, but um, enrollment for the new school year that starts in August, it starts in February. Some schools, it starts in January. So in considering this, um, it's kind of, we would need to make the the board kind of need to wrestle with do we we take enrollment for next fall? Does it seem fair to take enrollment and registration fees and to give promises to families saying, we have a spot for your child in August? if them we're going to put the property on the market <laughs> right so that's a little bit of a mixed message um and so i think it's not just like the the closing of the school like that feels like a really big step but it's like this time of year you have to decide if you're going to be open in the fall or not and i know that that feels very far away like august feels like a year away um but it'll it'll be here before we know it and if you have if you remember back to when you had children you were making decisions about the summer. You were planning your summer vacations. You were planning summer camps. You were planning childcare and these kinds of activities months before it actually came to be. And so I think that also speaks to the board really wrestled with if if we're not gonna hold registration for next year, people are gonna wonder what's happening. (laughs) Um, And so I think this was the board's way to really kind of say we wanted to, like what Julie was speaking to, like putting you know, the board members in this, the shoes of families and saying this feels like a really rash, like big decision, maybe sudden, and it's shocking, and it's, you know, hard, and and sad. And there are lots of emotions around it. Um, And it feels like, why are we having to make this decision now? And it's so that the families do have time to make alternative arrangements. Um, It's really, I think, um, that was like at the forefront in that
9: conversation, as Julie alluded to. So, sorry for my no, no, interruption. I totally got emotional and forgot the important point about registration for next year. That was on the notes. Are there any other questions? Oh, Linda. Linda Diamond has Oh,
5: <laughs> um, actually my question Emily makes a good point about the personal nature if you have children there but um, I also wonder about the faculty there because a number of our teachers have been at the center for a very long time I didn't I felt like I was getting feedback, so I was trying to be careful. Um, I do worry about our faculty members there, especially the ones that have been there, some for decades. I mean, my children are long since out of the Wesley Center, but I know some of the teachers they had are still, you know, involved with the center. So I am guessing that there are measures being taken. Actually, I'm pretty sure there are measures being taken to help address their needs and make sure that they are taken care of and that they're able to move to whatever is next for them and maybe that's part of the timing here too. Is Can somebody like address that?
9: In every way they are emotionally um, and certainly financially. Um, this week, they will receive an initial stipend money um, across the board. And then it is our hope that if they will stay with us until June 2nd, um, there will be a second payout and that has, there's a formula, years of service and all, but um, we are certainly incentivizing them and in recognizing that they would have options to go somewhere else, but it is our hope that they will remain with us and also pay time off as well. So PTO as well as the a continuing care stipend um, is in consideration. For sure. And has been presented to them and was Wednesday night at the faculty, at their staff meeting.
3: I would just add Kimberly is very committed to getting all of them a place. Um, And what we've already heard is that, and we've experienced this, is that it's been very hard to hire teachers, very hard. And every preschool in town is trying. And so not in any way to diminish the significant impact that it's having on the teachers. I don't in any way take away. But, but Kimberly's working very hard to help them find employment beyond and, um, and, and seems to be some opportunities.
9: Simply cannot say enough about Kimberly Gibson and, and the job that she is doing to make us finish strong and well. And, and she is just the epitome and quintessential servant leader in my mind and in my eyes and in my heart.
3: And in case you missed it before, the stipend that they're getting that's kind of a bonus for staying with us More federal grants. We're very fortunate to have received those that's not coming out of the operating budget It's not coming out of the preschool budget that is a grant that was for some very specific purposes and this is one employee retention so.
8: Yeah.
10: I just want to try to address um, a question some may have. from comments I've heard. So you may be asking, okay, well, they've already closed this, announced they're closing the school. So this is a done deal. Why are we here? And I think that's a valid question. Um, but you know, I just wanna give my thoughts on that because I, I sub- the church council discussed this and supported this before they notified the teachers and the parents. It wasn't just the Wesley board that made the decision and the Wesley board doesn't have the authority in my opinion to make that decision they made a decision at their level, but the church council discussed this at length and supported this before any action was taken. Um, And then the question is, why are we here? Um, And and I'll come back to that in a second. Um, But I just want everybody to appreciate the situation that the church was in and the board's in. Um, We have a director that um, had tried to retire from being the director. We kept her on. To keep the school running and i think most of you know what the economy is like there's more jobs than there are people that apparently need the jobs or are qualified for the jobs and we have not been able to find a new director so we're in the process of desperately needing a new director so ethically how do you hire someone to come on and maybe move from a different place in the United States to be our director when we're really very serious about exploring a sale. Um, That's a, we can't even hire one as it is and that puts us in a more difficult position. Um, There are, there's another school in downtown that has hired some of our teachers away by offering more money, that is a constant um, pressure. of other schools desperately needing teachers and they will pay more money to get our teachers. So, and you know how it is, if if it's gonna get out that we're decided to explore a sale. And so what are the teachers gonna do? They get offered more money to go to another school. They're thinking they don't have a future here. Uh, what do the parents do? And I think there was a real concern that we would be in a situation where we would be trying to run a school without teachers or without enough kids we would start losing money we'd be in a real bind um, especially if we didn't have enough teachers for the kids that we were committed to take care of so it was a real difficult position for the people that had to make this decision about what to do and it did feel like the cart before the horse but I just want everybody to appreciate how difficult of a situation we were in how do you make this decision how do you move forward and just pretend like the school can keep operating for for some t- period of time so um i i don't want i was on the property committee i was i, I attended church council I, I want everybody to appreciate that this is a very difficult thing and and everybody's input is very valued um and and we're all here because there's a lot of decision to be made. This is not a final decision. We don't necessarily have to sell the property maybe, but, but we're as to, as a team, we're going to have to work together to get through this and make some difficult decisions and some things that may be really good for the church in the future. But um, that's my explanation of why it feels like, why are we here? But we need everybody to understand what's going on and all the thought that's going into it. And, and pull together for the future.
0: We have two questions from the chat. So I did want to make sure we got those.
9: And some of those may be not necessarily related to you, Julie, <laughs> but just coming up. May I make um, one comment to absolutely. Charlie? I appreciate that there are many variables in the backdrop of this decision, but I do know that coming out of the two and a half hour meeting that we held on January 11th, no consideration was talked about or given to Kimberly at one point wanting to to retire a year ago or um, whether or not we would restart the the search for a director or even a concern over teachers. It truly was that we were responding to really the financial um, threat that was upon us in the future of our church. We didn't make it nor is it about Kimberly or is it about um, teachers leaving. We did not discuss that actually with the motion.
0: So this is a question from Martha Lacy. Um, she wants to know: Is have we be have we been approached by an interest party about the property? So, like, uh, you know, has somebody approached us about the property? As I'm assuming, I'm reading from that question. Um,
3: so this week, uh, word got out Wednesday night, Thursday morning, uh, all started, um, but but we're, but no no real offer. Um, we're, the next steps we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but would be forming a group to begin selecting a broker to begin the process of putting it on the market and so forth. So no, we're this is a proactive step; it's not a reactive step to uh, an offer. No.
0: And then this is there's it's a concern and a question, so I'm just going to read it. This is from Britt Lovett. Um, it's concerned that. Potential buyers could be aware of perceived desperation on our part, um, thus possibly grossly lowering the sale proceeds that we would receive. How or could this concern be handled? It might be very difficult to stop the rumor mill train. So just anytime you know, you're putting property on the market, what does that mean?
3: Well, I'll just, so, you know, I, I kind of get up in the spokesperson role a lot. Um Here's the bottom line. Uh, we have more buildings and property than we can afford. And so we're exploring sale to the, to right size our facility and property for our congregation. That doesn't have to be desperate. It doesn't mean we have to accept the first low ball offer. Uh, we're, we, we can we, we can, you know we're not desperate, but we are taking a, a proactive stance given our situation. I don't I don't think anybody has to perceive that as desperation. We're just we're making a wise decision based on our current congregation and what we have.
10: Okay, yes, I'll stand up. <laughs> um, I think one important thing to do is um, for those that have been pledging to the capital to to pay your pledge if you haven't already paid it, and any additional pledges we can get because if we can be in a position where we can continue to maintain our debt for the foreseeable future and support our operating budget, we can then make sure that we wait for the right price under the right conditions that provide what we need, perhaps parking. Um, So, and, and if the worst thing that could happen is if people say, oh, we're gonna sell the building, we're gonna get all this money. Um, Why should I give to the capital campaign? That's probably the worst thing that we could do. We will be in a desperate situation and we will have to sell it at a fire sale and we will be sabotaging our future. Um, So we really got to step up and continue to support the the maintenance of that debt um, so that we can. Because this uh, Joe Nesbitt, very experienced in this area. This could take years. The, anybody that's looking at that property has to do a lot of due diligence in terms of uh, density and what they can negotiate with the city in terms of some, some additional density. There's a lot of decisions we're going to have to make. This could take could take years. It may not. So we have to remain very robust in our financial support of the church so that we can be in a position of strength for the long term.
6: As I, I didn't tell anybody my name is Jim Manuel. I share a I share a last name with Debbie Manuel, but was not on that committee at all. Talking about uh, buyers, <clears throat> the real estate market is ultimately an auction. There are more than one entity in this, well, the state or even Southeast America, that would be looking at a piece of property where you can hop to the city hall. You can crawl the performing arts center. And some of the major office buildings are within one to two blocks from here. So people will be interested. And the Uh, Matter will be regulated and determined by more than one developer.
9: Thank you, Julie.
0: So next steps. Next steps. So this town hall meeting tonight is purely informational, right? We're not taking any votes. We're sharing what has happened uh, with the Wesley board and church council um, and partly to address some of these concerns. You can't um, kind of explore the sale of a piece of our property without letting our church members know, right? you would probably not appreciate it if you drove up to church on a Sunday and you were like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, what? where did this, not that we would put a for sale sign that, cause I don't think we will need to do that, but can you imagine, right? So part of this is that even exploring the sale, even kind of saying, we want to reach out to brokers. Um, one of the comments was like the rumor mill, real, or the rumor mill, right? That like people start talking. And so part of this informational town hall meeting is to kind of say, like, we're starting these conversations. Um, it's a process. We know that there's still more work to be done. Um, and really kind of we don't know what possibilities could be on that piece of property until we kind of put it out there to developers, to brokers, to kind of see what interest is. And then we can kind of start thinking through, like, okay, what what is a good partnership for us? Um, what what seems to work and meet some of those needs and some of those um, kind of aspirations um, that we would like to pursue with that property. So between now um, and the end of February, um, Vance and I are holding a series of kind of what we're calling town hall follow-up meetings. So there's sixty people in the room tonight, and then we have some more that have joined us online. We've recorded this presentation, so more folks that maybe couldn't join it live will be able to watch it. Um, part of this is that as you are part of Sunday school classes and other small groups and other committees here at the church, please let people know that we had this. Um, please encourage them to go and watch or listen to the town hall meeting so that they are informed. Um, uh, part of this is that you know and I know, that grapevine starts right and so sometimes like people might have heard something that we said in this town hall meeting but when it goes through two three four other people maybe it's not exactly what we said and so just encouraging people to come back um to this recording um you've saw you you heard from debbie Manuel. you heard from julie you heard from uh, vance like We are all open and available for you. If you have questions, please ask us um, because we wanna make sure that we're being accurate and honest and transparent with information going forward. Uh, We will be having these small group kind of follow-up meetings. So for anybody that joined us here tonight, whether in person or online, or as people hear about it, um, we wanna meet with folks and answer questions. So feel free to attend those. And I have um, this sheet um, I'll leave up here on the front and you can come by and pick it up. This just has a list of the upcoming um, follow up meetings. Some of these are in person here at the church. Some of them are on Zoom. And then we have a few that are hybrid in person and online. So um, and needs as people are wanting to follow up with us. If you have questions, if one of these times won't work, feel free to email us, you can call the church office. And Kelly will put you through to us and we can make sure that we get your questions answered. We hear your concerns, um, your suggestions, things like that. Um, At this past Tuesday's church council meeting, uh, church council did vote to call for a church conference in February. And so in consultation with our district superintendent, Bob Bouchong, that has been scheduled for Sunday, February 26 at 5 p.m. Location... Here, I believe. Um, same, same room. And this will be in lieu of a normal February church council meeting, uh, but it will be a time for us to gather together. And it's at this church count church conference, it's open to any church members. Um, so again, you don't have to be on church council or on a particular committee, but to be a member of the church, uh, to come to that meeting, and to vote to explore the sale of the Asbury-Ledbetter property. And so in terms of decisions, in terms of actual action, um, in terms of, you know, reaching out to brokers and starting that process, that will happen after that vote um, in February. Um, So, again, tonight's meeting isn't necessarily taking a vote on that, but it's to let you know that that is coming. And so that between now and then, there's opportunities to have conversation, to ask your questions, to compile your questions, all of that sort of thing. Any questions? Yes, Kelly. Five o'clock. Sunday, February 26th. Carol.
7: Um, Charlie had brought up that we need to continue with our um, funding if we had commit made a commitment to the Wesley property. Is there going to be potentially, I don't know who to ask the question of, another financial campaign then on that property, given what we discussed that it might be years before?
0: I mean, I think that's um, kind of a little bit of a – Debbie Mitchell watches to know how much money we have in reserve for that. And as the pledges are coming in. So I think that'll be in conversation with Debbie Mitchell kind of that dance of um, if and when to do a capital campaign. Um, and to try to have that not conflict with our stewardship campaign for the operating budget in the fall. So you can see how all of these kind of overlapping timelines um it's, it's a little dance. And um, it's a little tricky sometimes. But again, bringing this to you and kind of saying, here is the information. Here is reality. (laughs) We might not like it. (laughs) We might not like some of these decisions that we have to make. And yet, um, I think by sharing information, even when it's not information we necessarily like, we can actually like work together to try to address that. Um, When stuff is kind of Oh, we're scared to talk about it when it's in the dark or it's in the shadows. I don't think we can make the best decisions. And so trying to bring, um, I I heard a quote or read it somewhere that talked about adaptive leadership is bringing people into the agony of the decision making process. So welcome to the agony of the decision-making process, right? Like this doesn't just fall on one person, right? It doesn't just fall on um, one church committee, but it's like, how do we as a church enter in together um, into sometimes the pain of making decisions um, with the hope of making the best decisions possible for the future of our church? I know Vance was going to wrap it up, so unless there's any other questions. Okay. 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 Vance, turn it over. Turn it over to you.
3: So I do. I do want to reiterate that, um, and I think this is true for the the committees, the staff. Emily and I, we want to be transparent and open. And so, please come and talk to us about anything. Uh, there's no hidden agenda here of any kind. Um, I also want to just say, um, y- you know. Th- it's it kind of, we can look back and say, well, gosh, what were they thinking?
6: You know, a, a debt
3: that goes on and on or whatever. I, I, Every decision I know that's been made in this church has been for the best of this church and believing in the future of this church. I absolutely believe that with all my heart. Uh, I don't believe at any point in our past anyone imagined that we would be where we are today. Um, that... Um, in fact, during our process, I asked the question when we when we built this building, what size congregation did we imagine? And it was stated by someone who served on the building committee that we imagined a congregate worshipping congregation of a thousand every week, a thousand people in worship every week um, and and we are currently Emily, what's our And we do have a number online, but it, a fourth, right? A fourth. You have to take that. You have to look at that. I mean, you can't ignore that reality. And so as you, I mean, we're all going to be thinking about this when we go home. You're going to talk about it in the car and so forth. I would just ask you to think about if this was your family's finances, if this was your family's property. Uh, that you know, if if it was your home that you couldn't afford to keep up, if it was debt that you couldn't afford to pay, and if it was a, a, a typical living expenses in your annual budget that you didn't have income to support, what would you do? What would you do? Um, at some point, we have to make changes so that we can be good stewards, right? That's what stewardship is. It's it's managing the resources you have property as resources the income we receive through pledges and everywhere else that's that's resources we have to we just have to be responsible in managing them and like i said earlier we we manage them now we make the hard decisions now we do the adaptive leadership now for the sake of a future right it's not desperation it's being wise and responsible now so that we have a future tomorrow and beyond right so so don't leave discouraged but but be hopeful but not a hope that's burying our hand, head in the sand it's it's a hope because we're taking this hard situation we're taking the bull by the horns and we're going to do something okay let's pray lord this is hard it's not a situation that many of us imagined we would be in we especially grieve it's the word we grieve Uh, the decision we've made about uh, the preschool and the impact that will have on families and on the teachers and the staff. Um, That's more than jobs, that's more than a school, that's a family over there. And uh, we grieve the impact of this uh, decision on them. So wrap the preschool in your loving arms. Oh God, make a way for both the families and the teachers to to find new places uh, to be uh, we pray, Lord, as we continue down this road and this process that you lead and guide us, lead just the right people to us, uh, brokers and buyers and so forth. Uh, lead them to us, Lord. Uh, we, we look to you for your guidance, your leadership, uh, your provision. Uh, we look to you, Lord, um, and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. Thanks to everybody online.